0: hey everyone welcome back to another episode of strip by sia your podcast for strippers sex workers and all the fancy naked people in between including myself um i am a fancy naked person i am the host of the show my name is steph sia aka kimchi on stage i just wrapped up a wonderful week at shakers show lounge shout out to all the great people there that came in um it's like Thanksgiving today, and I'm super, super grateful and thankful for everyone that has been listening to the show, giving me great topics to report on and to bring cool guests on to help educate and also to destigmatize the sex industry. And that's basically what this show is about. So every week, I bring on different guests, um, whether or not they are in porn or in stripping or any type of sex work. Um, or maybe they're in the background. Maybe they're a producer, a director, or or uh, involved in some other capacity. Or maybe they are an ally and they are working to educate um, the masses, just like the guests that I have brought on. This week, and I am very excited. So I am super excited to bring Carly Carly McPhee onto the show today. She is a sexual health educator um, working primarily with youth and with kids, and she is amazing. And it's just really, really cool because um, actually, in my vanilla job, I work with a sexual health education company, and Carly is my colleague. And it is very rare that my vanilla life and my sex, like my sex work life. Um, intersect so I am really excited to have these worlds collide and also to bring on the fabulous and very knowledgeable and intellectual Carly Miffy onto the show Carly are you there
1: I am here hello Steph thank you for having me I'm so excited (laughs) to be here
0: I'm so excited to have you, and I'm just like, I'm just so excited, and I, I told you this off the air, and I've told you this before, but I've been looking for a sexual health educator to bring onto the show, but like, I haven't found anyone that was appropriate or was a good fit until I met you a couple months ago, and I was like, I'm going to have to bring her onto the show at some point, and that point is now, and that point is today, so welcome yeah. to the show, hooray. <laughs> yeah so excited so, so excited um I feel like I may have butchered your intro um would you like to tell the audience a little bit about yourself in terms of like who you are and what it is that you do
1: yeah not at all not butchered at all um <laughs> you're pretty much correct I've worked in sexual health education for a number of years um i for a number of years was working in classrooms with youth and young adults um i've kind of been around the block in a lot of different settings and working with a lot of different communities Mm -hmm. um so everything from your nice white suburban stereotypical (laughs) very fearful of porn communities uh, all the way to you know really diverse settings and really marginalized or equity seeking communities um, Mm -hmm. in corrections addictions facilities anything like that Mm -hmm. Um, i also work a lot with service providers i've done a lot of work with teachers and healthcare providers building their skills around how to talk about sex and sexuality Uh, and i've done a lot of work with parents and work with youth with disabilities as well Mm -hmm. Um, so i've i've been in the game for a while and kind of been here and there i'm kind of living more in a research space right now um, and then doing some freelance sexual health education and of course um, working in sexual health education developing key messaging um, which is where we intersect Mm -hmm. so it's so lovely to get to know you Steph yes Uh, and I'm just really happy to have our conversation today
0: me as well I am like looking forward to just hearing your expertise the wealth of knowledge that you have uh, to bring to the table here today because we are talking about porn and um we're talking about uh we're gonna be reviewing uh just briefly a documentary called raised on porn which we'll get into later but before we start getting into everything in terms of like kids and porn youth and porn effects that might have you know like the fear around it i um did you want to tell the audience a little bit about how you got into sexual health education specifically
1: yeah. Um, so my background, I have a degree in pedagogy, mm-hmm. um, a kinesiology degree in pedagogy. So a lot of my undergraduate education was focused around health education, um, crafting health education. I did a lot of teaching practicums. Um, so from there, I got into a public health career, uh, by going to a pizza party, which was random. I went to a pizza party, (laughs) got a practicum, wound up working in comprehensive school health, Wow! um, doing health promotion work in partnership with schools. Mm -hmm. And I landed a job out of university doing that out in the prairies. Um, and then from there I was on a temporary contract and I was young and I needed a job and (laughs) a sexual health team was hiring someone to write them a social media strategy. Mm -hmm. So they were like, look, you have some health promotion experience, you're a millennial, you know what Facebook is, come on (laughs) over. Uh, And the rest was history. That turned into uh, a job with their sister team, a permanent position, and they made a a sex educator out of me. Um, And then I went on to do a graduate school program specializing in sexual health. um, And it just was totally... My arena. I just left it. Uh, I don't think I'll ever leave sexual health. Um, I've then gone on to work in some post-secondary institutions, Mm -hmm. sexual health roles. Um, I've done a lot of resource development for some big, big health organizations. Um, So, yeah, I've just been, you know, now I'm slowly but surely chipping away on a comms communications master's degree so I'm very much zoomed in on how do we talk about sexuality how do we craft messages in a way that can invite people in and really you know bolster their skills and build capacity so we have positive sexual health outcomes Mm -hmm. Um, I'm very excited to discuss with you about uh, porn's role and kind of the Mm -hmm. I think unfair reputation that porn is being assigned these
0: yes. days, yes, Probably. these days, and for a long mm-hmm. time now. So
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, I shouldn't even say these days. Yeah, it's been <laughs> kind of given this bad rap. Totally, like, uh,
0: yeah. I mean, like with porn and sex work in general, sex, sex in general, as as a really huge umbrella, usually, generally, just gets like a really bad rep. Uh, negative <laughs> stereotypes. We're um, usually the butt of jokes and stuff like that. So yeah we we're gonna um talk about this documentary that uh one of my listeners actually brought to the table thank you and shout out to galego smash on instagram for bringing this to my attention um he actually sent me a link and was like hey like what do you think about this documentary like do you think it's just sensationalization or do you think there's actually some real merit in this and like it's based on facts and i'm like what is this thing so the documentary is called Raised on Porn. And for those who haven't watched it, it's a 37 minute documentary just available on YouTube, which just came out recently. I mean, by the time of this recording, uh, by, the, by the time this episode airs out, it's probably been out for about a month. So for those of you listening, I'm actually just going to go ahead and play the trailer really quick. It's just about a minute and a half or so. So just to give you a little bit of um, uh, substance, And so you can kind of understand what we're talking about here just briefly. So just hang, hang on, bear with me. I'm going to go ahead and press play. Where is it here? Okay, here we go. Listen in.
1: I remember being a kid and looking at a rosebud, And I remember thinking, oh, well, I want it to open up like a rose. So I'll just pull back all the petals. Now I realize you can't force that. And it's very similar to a child's sexuality. If you try to open those petals too early, they will grow and they will open. But they're not going to be the same person that they would have been. I found porn when I was 11, 12 years old. We're in this playground
0: and a friend of mine was like, Hey Richie, I want to show you a picture.
1: We watched porn and he told me, he's like, I watch it all the time. It's not a big deal he stopped seeing women as people because porn distorted his whole thinking. We are in the midst of the largest unregulated social experiment in human history. Because internet porn has the ability to cause addiction-related brain changes.
0: And the free porn, which is the most accessible, is actually the most violent, dehumanizing
1: pornography. That so many men are now seeing as being normal. This is how it happens. Is like the heroine of pornography, and I'm like, uh oh, I need to experience what I'm seeing.
0: So he tells me, and it just like felt like I got punched in the heart. Okay, so that's the trailer. And it's like raised on porn, this whole thing. And um, yeah, that, that's just the trailer. That's just the trailer. And I was already getting like a bad feeling. I'm like, is this going to be good? But luckily, it's only 37 minutes of my life. <laughs> that wasn't too long and, or too much of a commitment. But uh, Carly, I want to hear your thoughts. You know, like your, your first impressions on, one, the trailer, and two, what you thought of the documentary.
1: So... Before I comment on this documentary, I'm just going to kind of position where I come from as a sexual health professional and an educator. Um, I work from a comprehensive sexual health education framework, which if you Google that um, is kind of the globally accepted best practice of how to how to do sexual health education. Right. Um, And it's very much rooted in the basis that sexuality as a form of identity, in a social relationship sense, in a physical pleasure experience and reproductive sense, Mm -hmm. um, is intrinsically part of being a human being. It's supposed to be there. It's part of the human experience. And there's nothing intrinsically bad about human sexuality or experiencing sexuality. Humans are sexual beings and we experience different phases or different aspects of sexuality our whole life long. Right so when we hear things about you know this this flower metaphor for example mm-hmm. that the rose is damaged <laughs> yes that someone is damaged forever if they're exposed to sexual material or you know visually sexually stimulating content mm-hmm. then it will damage them per like the whole documentary has this sense of permanence yeah um, right and that's The first thing I really just, you know, disagree with is that sense that you're, you're permanently doomed, right? Like sexuality is a lifelong experience. It's Mm -hmm. always evolving. It's always changing. You can always come back. Right. Even if you do have a a negative experience, I don't ever want people to feel like their sexuality is over Mm -hmm. or they're doomed or there's no, there's no way back to having a positive relationship with your sexuality.
0: Right, right. Yeah, that's um, that's a good theme actually that you picked up on too. Because I also picked up on that as well. To be like, I just feel like they were they were blaming a lot of everything on porn. Um, they were blaming well, yeah. yeah, yeah, like <laughs> literally everything. <laughs> they were blaming violence against women on porn. They're blaming pedophilia on porn, which they looped in there as well. They're also like blaming yeah. like men cheating on their wives on porn like (laughs) a
1: lot of that anyone who knows me um people who've been in book clubs with me and who talk about movies with me they know i i consume media with a pretty critical lens um Mm -hmm. doesn't mean i don't enjoy media but i usually go in with my guard quite up and i'm like come on show me what you got really wow me here Mm -hmm. um and the red flags that were going through my mind just listening to that trailer, and they did not dispel any of these red flags, <laughs> they're using highly emotional testimonials that mm-hmm. perfectly fit their porn made me do it narrative. Yes. Um, they're relying heavily on disproved and harmful gender stereotypes and sexuality stereotypes. Mm-hmm. There's no evidence-based research presented. They you'll notice they only have authors speak on the topic and right. anyone can publish a book. Yes. Anyone can publish a book. There's no rigor there's not the same rigor required to publish a book and there is to get published in an academic paper and have your paper right. cited, you know, over a thousand times. Like there's a there's a really big difference there in what makes an expert. Yes. Um and there was no examining other perspectives or other sides.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very so one-sided.
1: To me, those are all red flags that, you know, yes, it's dressed up in a fancy documentary setting. But mm-hmm. those right there tell me, you know, there's probably not a lot of fact behind what they're saying.
0: Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. I, I yeah, <laughs> I definitely noticed that as well. And it was just, it was just really interesting, too, because you touched on a point there really just harping on like emotion yeah, a lot of emotion and these personal stories that the people at the interview that they brought to the table like they had a few different kind of scenarios that they were following um in terms of like following some people around about their experiences with porn or their judgment or their views on porn and they were all i would say pretty damaging but also like it can't be yeah like it can't be a whole umbrella that you can apply to everything
1: no and all it's doing is i mean this is what patriarchal powers always do Mm -hmm. is create the perfect out for bad behavior for abusive behavior towards others Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. so of course we can't assign any responsibility to these grown men who (laughs) are treating their partner's like objects in abusive ways they're not treating them with care they're not prioritizing their pleasure Mm -hmm. oh well they saw a porno video when they were 13 so that's destroyed their brain forever yeah Uh, these people aren't living in a vacuum like (laughs) look at any other form of media look at how their parents you know treated each other growing up like there's all these other influences that would have built in that ideology to not treat their partners with respect that right. other people's feelings don't matter. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to tell me none of those boys went to elementary school and learned basic, like treat others how you want to be treated, mm-hmm. you know? like Yeah. Who's to say, like, what is it about porn that outweighs all of these other supposedly perfectly nice, they're a perfectly nice boy from a perfectly nice home? (laughs) Like, why aren't those values doing anything then? Totally. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. um... So they're one, they're giving porn a lot of power in positioning it as the only source of education. And they're actually robbing parents, teachers, healthcare providers, those I mean, it's very heteronormative, but those men—they're mm-hmm. robbing them of so much agency mm-hmm. and power that they have in building healthy sexual health outcomes. Right, which is it's kind of sad. Like,
0: yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. And when when did
1: porn as an industry ever sign up to be the sex ed teacher?
0: Hmm. Right. Good question. And and we definitely have some questions in regards to that as well <laughs> and some perspectives which we'll go into the Q&A later on at the end of the show but yeah i think like a lot of the concern and like from what i'm gathering from people that have this kind of stance is that porn is the only is the only teacher or the yeah. most the most accessible or and like why do you think that is do you think that parents are uncomfortable having conversations like this with their kids about porn about sexuality or what about the school system too like are they responsible for providing adequate comprehensive sexual education to kids like there's a a bunch of big questions here so feel free to answer in whatever order
1: <laughs> yeah so i mean when we talk about like what is good sexual health education and i've kind of given you a loose definition of what comprehensive school health education or sexual health education is Pardon me <laughs> um <laughs> It's now been deemed a human right by the UN that Mm. everyone is entitled to receive good, informative, comprehensive sexual health education. People have a right to understand their bodies, understand how relationships work, so they can have more positive experiences, which, you know, are related to so many other health outcomes, whether that's mental health, social health, physical health, you know, People have a right to that. Mm-hmm. Um, we also know when you look to the literature that abstinence only education, which basically frames sex as you know, something that's only to be done under often very religious, um, yes, you know frameworks of within marriage or you know within a long term one single partner and there's a lot of morality politics assigned to when sex is okay and when it's absolutely you know absurd and we have this really narrow definition of like what is an okay and acceptable way for someone to be sexual and express their sexuality Mm -hmm. which leads a lot of experience out Mm. so you know and that's fine everybody can have their own beliefs and values and you know so much of having good sex is having sex in circumstances that feel right and good and awesome for you. Yeah. What we're losing is so many people can have sex in circumstances and feel great about it outside of this one view Mm -hmm. of, you know, what currently considered moral. Right. Um, There's a really great book by Jesse Baring called Perv, the sexual deviant in all of us. Um, Oh. And it's a really great read i recommend it for anyone who's kind of interested in this idea of like where this idea of what's acceptable comes from sure um the author jesse Baring, just really goes throughout history and explores like how much it has changed over time of what's considered socially acceptable in a sexual context mm.
0: Interesting.
1: um but anyways i'm i'm going on a tangent here but back to comprehensive (laughs) sexual health education that's okay I'll I'll plug that
0: yeah I'll plug that into the show notes though thank you for the recommendation
1: (laughs) it is is a human right um, but we're still seeing a lot you know even here within Canada we're seeing a lot of people not meeting that standard okay Um, so the reality is most kids aren't receiving comprehensive sexual health education Okay. and then there's this fear of oh my goodness if my kid sees porn, you know, the fear is real because for a lot of people, there is nothing else there Mm -hmm. to fill in the gaps or to clarify, like, what porn actually is. Right. Do you know what
0: I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because, like, well a lot of, I mean, I've, I've spoken to people as well, just on their right. own comments about, like, how, like I was just curious, like, what was your experience in terms of, like, sexual health education growing up? Like, I, I posted this question on Twitter, and I posted this question on Instagram, and a lot of people said they didn't really have one growing up, um, or oh, yeah. it was just like a lack thereof. Like, personally speaking myself, like, I went to a, a Roman Catholic private school, and we were separated, the boys and the girls, and we watched a video, and that was pretty much my sexual education as a kid when I was, yeah. like, 11, and nothing much more than that. So, yeah. <laughs> I feel like there, there are well, gaps
1: there. <laughs> you know, when we were growing up, and then Action Canada, who is a major advocacy organization in Canada for... Um, sexual health rights and they do a lot of work around sexual health education. Mm-hmm. Um, they just released a report just this year of kind of what is the status currently. Oh. Um, and they said the only thing consistent about sexuality education in Canada is the inconsistency. Really? that um, no one's kind of in a large way, no, no geographic area is in a large way meeting that expectation and that best practice of sexuality education
0: oh wow so we haven't moved
1: forward as much as we would hope yeah from when you and i were kids yeah
0: oh my gosh that's so disappointing to mm-hmm. hear oh
1: my god it's disappointing yeah. um but yeah i mean my goal you know we want to work ourselves out of a job <laughs> I, don't, I don't want us to need sexual health education specialists because we right. want every teacher in every classroom to feel empowered and know exactly what they're doing we mm-hmm. want parents to feel empowered and know how to talk to their kids and yeah you know bring in that values piece that can only come from home um, right so there's there's lots of parties at play who can contribute here
0: mm-hmm.
1: that aren't and I think that's what makes porn so scary
0: right okay so, oh go ahead oh sorry no go ahead go ahead <laughs>
1: I was just going to say, so, like, if I'm really going to give the most generous assumption to whoever made this documentary and put out this really fear-mongering, terrifying message... Yes. Um, it's... All we can do is use it as a spring springboard for, you know, at the end of the day, their message is still, sexual assault is bad. Yes. Surprising your partner with something scary is bad. Right. Hurting other people is not okay. Like, that is the... The message that they did get right mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we can use that as you know can we take the heat off of porn which is an entertainment tool and a you know a way for people to access their fantasy and you know we can get more into that
0: yeah but it's
1: not it's not your sex ed teacher
0: right yeah oh my gosh I have so many thoughts on all of this so like Another, another takeaway, a lot takeaway, an impression that I got from the documentary watching that was, I feel like they were using porn as like, um, like a gateway to many things, you know, I don't know if you got that too, but like it was a gateway to other extreme forms of violence or assault, um, (laughs) in terms of like extreme forms of intimacy or different like kinks that involve violence. Um, and, and again, like the weird, the weird link that they had with pedophilia,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I, I just feel Which, like, I'm just like,
1: how are how? Is the thing that's really important is there was no, there is no evidence to support that claim. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're dressing up a false claim with their that's where like you get the really highly emotional stories to okay. draw people in that way yeah exactly yeah. won't notice like there are no research papers you can go on any any
0: major publication database yeah
1: and look at the actual literature that's going through a high standard of rigor mm-hmm. to see what what um Absolutely. and even there, like The one paper I could find that had been cited over a hundred times around, I know they talked about brain development, youth brain development and porn use.
0: Okay.
1: Um, The one paper I could find that had been cited over a hundred times, even they were like, well, it's chicken and egg. Like, are these, Mm -hmm. are these things we're seeing because our sample, you know, like there's no evidence to show that this will turn you into a deviant that's going to harm other people because you saw porn when you're 13. Yeah, you didn't have the tools to like understand what you saw in a real life context.
0: Totally. Yeah. It was. It was very much like the stance that I got from the documentary was that porn causes X. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's and not no, the case.
1: There's no evidence that that's true.
0: No. No. Absolutely not. Like. I just felt like the documentary is really creating like moral panic. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which is disappointing. But um, going back to what you said in terms of like these, this type of education and proper education needs to start at the home. And also, um, you also mentioned like because there's so many inconsistencies with teaching kids proper good quality education in schools like and I remember like in in one of our in one of our meetings we were mentioning like you you were commenting like oh yeah some of the teachers like I don't want to teach this like I don't feel comfortable teaching this like do you want to comment a little bit about that as well
1: yeah so I mean the reason we're out where we are with and this is just my own opinion of And maybe I shouldn't make such a sweeping statement that this is the reason. One reason (laughs) that, you know, there's challenges with sexuality education is our societal norms. And we have a lot of really deep-rooted beliefs and values systems built Mm -hmm. around sexuality and sexual health and sex and nudity, even just being naked. Right. Um, You know, which... In, in the sex work industry, you, I'm sure you're well familiar with just the wall of stigma around nakedness alone. Oh, yeah Let alone touching someone else when you're naked. Yes. <laughs> um, so you have, you're, you have a teacher who, one, likely didn't get any support in their teacher education, in their education degree, mm-hmm. um, of how to tackle a really values-laden topic. Right. They're in a position where they're working for a specific school board. So they're under certain constraints of what value systems they either have to operate in. If you're in a faith-based school board or you're in a public setting where you're really not allowed or you kind of have to check your own values at the door. Right. Um, so then you have like this really charged topic. Mm-hmm. And how do you talk about it? Right. That's really hard to do. Mm-hmm. Um So I can understand teachers cowering and not wanting to deal with it. Right. And then there's the sense of, you know, well, I didn't get much when I was in school and I turned out okay. I figured it out. Mm -hmm. Why do we need it? I have all of these other curriculum objectives that I need to hit. Right. And it just gets bumped down the list because it's a mixture of like, oh, I don't really want to deal with that. Mm -hmm. For plus you know, I have all of these other things on my plate and I turned out okay, what's the point?
0: Right. Yeah. So there's lots of different pressures and parameters that teachers have to kind of fit in or conform to which makes their yeah. job not easy it's
1: it takes skill to navigate like you have a room of 30 kids who are all coming in with different beliefs and values different sexual identities experiences points of view and you're supposed to like moderate that according to you know where your values sit where your school board's values sit mm-hmm. having to calm them down and get them through the rest of their day like it's a lot if you haven't been trained how to manage that and you know find your ways to navigate through that but what we know what we know and there's actual research evidence to support this what we know is when kids do receive comprehensive sexual health education we see stis go down we see unintended pregnancies go down Mm -hmm. we see later sexual debut or first time having sex uh when they have all the information we see all of those negative outcomes that we're afraid of, mm-hmm. that parents are afraid of, that this documentary is capitalizing on. Mm-hmm. We see those numbers go down mm-hmm. because they know what to do. They have all the tools in their toolbox. Right. And the porn piece that comes in is one. teachers are probably like, I can't talk about porn in my classroom. Right. How can I do? I used to work. In an office where we worked in sexual health, and we would get notices from IT all the time that are like, why are you trying to watch porn at work? And we're like, it's work-related. <laughs> I'm answering a grade seven student's question box question. Like, a <laughs> search like, well, history is weird, but, you know, this is the work. Yeah. <laughs> so there's all these built-in layers of, like, with porn especially, like, you can't talk about porn, you can't bring up porn, you can't address porn. Right. But you need to. Absolutely. Kids have access to the internet. Mm -hmm. It's intrinsically part of their world now. So we need the sexual health education piece and the media literacy piece have to come together. Right. Which is kind of a sophisticated thing to teach or to bring in for you. But it's essential. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem, not porn existing. Because there's lots of people who use porn and are perfectly normal and fine and happy, healthy relationships and... You know, porn's fun. Totally. It's something great for them to use. It's not the problem. It's a smokescreen in front of how do we deal with this mess of media literacy, comprehensive sexual health education, and I don't know where to start that's going on yeah, behind it. totally.
0: So, like, where do you think, like, how can we bridge the gap between that and, like, who's responsible for that, would you say?
1: That's an interesting question. And personally, I'm of the mind that, you know, it takes a village. Uh I think, you know, there's pieces that teachers can realistically do with the right support, the right training. The right resources you have to set teachers up for success to implement yes. that comprehensive sexual health education right teachers are some of the busiest people they get like five minutes to eat their lunch they're supervising detention at lunchtime. they got bus duty like yeah you got to make things really easy for teachers mm-hmm. you really have to set them up for success parents and families can really bring in that values piece of what are your values at home mm-hmm. how does that relay into your sexual decision making and your relationships and how you treat other people right like that is something that can come from home mm-hmm. um you know then there's holding like the media accountable right you know what. You know everything from, and I'm not an expert on any of these things, but like movie ratings, what's appropriate? Mm-hmm. When are we going to start challenging these like really harmful stereotypes being so steeped into every type of media? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm a nerd, and I still watch Riverdale because I want to know what teens are watching. It's a terrible <laughs> show. Yeah. But like, wait, you know, it's it's 2021, and they have the characters like, you know they're just using all of these women as objects Mm -hmm. and it's annoying to watch because it's just (laughs) like these kids need time the teenagers they need time to understand how things work and that porn doesn't feel doesn't doesn't, looks different than how sex feels yes and how relationships feel
0: great great point point
1: there's time to build that understanding mm-hmm. so I know one of our questions today can I jump to this question
0: yeah do you want to go right into questions because we can also do that too or do you want to like yeah sure yeah I mean there's um, a whole bunch of questions but let's let's do it <laughs>
1: this is the question um like should there be a Approved websites for under 18 year olds. Do you want to read that question?
0: Yeah, it's the first one, so let's do it.
1: Okay, great.
0: Oh, yeah, maybe I should just read out the question. (laughs) yes i have the full questions sorry everyone listening we, yeah. we actually pre-screened some questions earlier just to make sure they're all appropriate but um the question here comes from a listener they're asking should there be porn approved websites for 18 years old and under um and they mentioned that they're going to find it anyways and carly what's your thought on that
1: i think they're right that it's out there and the chances of a kid who's using the internet seeing naked people is the chance is almost 100% Mm -hmm. that they're going to see that probably by the time there's research that like you know most kids by the time they're 13 have had porn come across the screen at least once right um usually uninvited but still Mm -hmm. I think instead of a website that's like 18 and under approved because then you're just getting into like well according to who like whose values Totally. Which then we're kind of right back to, like, demonizing certain types of porn or certain images and not others.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm like, could we, like, have them complete their sexual health education to a comprehensive best practice standard? mm But in real life, that's probably not possible.
0: Mm-hmm. To,
1: like, have them complete a quiz or something before they're, like, going into a porn website. Right. Um... But yeah I think there is just that this is where this flower analogy from that documentary really bothers me is mm-hmm. that like it's too late if they've already seen it mm. like they're they're lost and they're just going to become this monster sexual deviant that's hurting other people right no like so you saw some porn let's talk about it let's yeah. unpack what you saw let's understand just like when you watch a movie and someone gets invited to a party they don't show you all the back and forth of like, well, I'm one walk over. I'm lost. Where's your, what's the address? I'm lost. And like yeah. all the minute details of making plans because that's boring. They yeah. just get you to the party because that's more interesting to watch. Of course. It's the <laughs> highlight reel. Yeah, and exactly. real life, there's all of these other things that take place, like having your consent conversations, you mm-hmm. know, someone farted and you have to laugh about it and then get back to it or whatever happens. Yeah, porn just takes that out and that's the fun of porn
0: right right?
1: and you just need to understand that and then you're fine you're not damaged forever and it's just understanding to not completely base your expectations on a piece of media
0: absolutely yeah and i feel like that's where like a lot of concern might come from because we all know i mean listeners of the show will know that you know porn as with a lot of sex work like we're playing a role and a lot of times it's a fantasy. And like when you watch a porn, it's like two minutes, maybe two minutes max. <laughs> you're watching into it, and then they're already fucking. You know, like it's it doesn't work right. that way. Like there's foreplay. Yeah. There's like lots of things that have to go on before. You know, <laughs> like, like it's not just like boom, we're yeah. ready to go and she's wet already. Like it just doesn't work that way. But I mean, there's a lack of understanding there when it comes to kids and and to youth, and that they think that is. What reality is.
1: Right? Which, you know, very much is like, I wish people would just leave porn alone to be that, to Mm -hmm. be what it is. Which is fantasy and fun and, you know, just giving everybody a break mentally to take the hiccups out of it and just enjoy the highlight reel. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like, we don't have to... We don't have to put porn in the sex ed bucket. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. Do you find... And this is a question just randomly for you. Do you find that porn is usually discussed and like intermingled in sex education?
1: It depends where you are. And again, like who's doing the educating and what constraints they're under. So mm. I've been in circumstances where... You know, I'm really hoping someone asks me in the question box because then I'm allowed to talk about it because I'm answering someone's specific question. Okay. And then I can be, you know, mindful to make sure I'm giving a full comprehensive answer to give anyone in the classroom who might be wondering about porn or who might already be watching porn Mm -hmm. some context and some information. Totally. Um, but is it born is it built into curriculum objectives? Not necessarily. Right. Is it something we could easily build into curriculum objectives? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. There's so much education going on around media literacy these days. Mm-hmm. Why can't we make, you know, sexualized media part of that conversation?
0: Mm-hmm. Good point. That's a really great question. Cause sex is everywhere, whether we like yeah. it or not, right? So yeah. Uh, another let's, question, sorry, continue. <laughs> I have so oh, many
1: questions. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> let's, let's keep talking.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, along with that, I mean, along with this question, too, when you say, like, let's talk about it, and, like, if you do get a question from, a, from some like, a young adult or a child or something asking a por- about porn, like, how would you approach that conversation? Like, just really brief spark notes. I know you can't get in- <laughs> into all yeah, of it today.
1: I mean, questions around sexuality you're usually getting like you can kind of file them into different folders okay you have your permission seeking questions Mm -hmm. where someone might say you know is it okay if someone watches porn every night before they go to bed you might get um just like straight clarification or kind of myth-busting questions like I heard porn will melt your brain is that true right um or you might get you know the like shock value questions which you can still turn into a really teachable moment like can you explain what you know a hot carl is I saw it in a porn movie Mm -hmm.
0: um
1: which you know if you're in a junior high class you can probably guess why they're asking that question but you can still (laughs) answer it right Um, so, you know, a formula I use to answer questions is one, I'm going to define the terms in that question.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I'm going to provide, if it's something that might be upsetting to students, I'm going to provide a like, Hey, we're going to talk about, you know, something that might involve gender-based violence or intimate partner violence, um, you know, and give them a a heads up at the beginning of the class. And before that question comes up, Mm -hmm. define all of your terms of like, what is porn, right? add in like why people use porn and then just really like break it down for them and then you can bring in that media literacy piece of you know let's not confuse porn as an instruction manual porn is a form of entertainment right and if you watch the movies you can clearly understand what's realistic and what's not we have to apply that same thinking cap when we're watching things like porn
0: Great. That's a really, really great approach. And I know we have like a lot of, um, I mean, moms and parents and of all kinds on this show as well. So hopefully like this, this will be a good takeaway for them as well for when they decide they want to have that conversation
1: with yeah. their
0: family. So
1: and the number one thing for parents is they think if their kid hears about it, they'll want to do it. And that's actually, like, there's evidence, there's research to show it's actually the opposite. Oh, wow, that's and really when interesting. When kids know what someone's talking about, if someone's asking them to do a certain sex act, or if someone's talking to them about something, mm-hmm. them having the knowledge and understanding what the heck someone's talking about puts the decision-making power back in that kid's hands. Like, then they can make a fully informed, informed decision. decision for themselves, rather than right. being like... Yeah, okay, that's not like I have no idea what you're talking about, but I don't wanna be embarrassing and say, I don't know. I guess I'll just go along with it and see what happens. Right. That's where you're getting into cross boundary territory. Mm-hmm. People are getting up at and it's not okay, right?
0: Right. Absolutely information is power. Okay. That is a great oh my gosh, such an in depth answer to that question. And there's still lots of questions here. So why don't you gotta
1: keep no. try to keep it a little
0: bit a bit shorter no 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 i love it keep going i like the full detail my listeners also like full detail as well so <laughs> please keep going i don't have anything after this anyway so it's all good um and this one is more okay so some context here this question is asking um please share websites of good real people having consensual sex and i'll read you actually more of the paragraph here so they said i tried to think of a question that might not come up in your interview, but I know of a couple sites describing what I asked, but it might be useful to share the audience. So, um, they were saying, basically, this person was saying, um, i was allowed to watch and read whatever i wanted growing up without discussion like without any open discussions about sex uh with their parents so like adult magazines R read movies porn and all that was his sex education and all he learned in school was how to put a condom on a banana and what stds can do to your body so yeah yeah he's wondering if if you have any good resources on like in terms of websites of good people good real people having consensual sex
1: if you know, anything. yeah, um, I mean, I'm not a porn expert by any means. <laughs> I think the things that come to mind for me is one like a lot of porn, like you hear the term ethical porn being yes. thrown around a lot. Yes, um, most porn is ethical porn, most yes. porn is planned in advance, everyone is there by choice, they're being paid, and you know, they know exactly what's coming their way. Um, the porn industry is not running on exploitation in the sense of, you know, people being forced into the porn industry. Right. Um, there are people lining up down the block who want to work in that industry. So, you know, mm. most porn is consenting adults doing things. Right. Um, one website I know of that just has kind of a lighter touch... And they just really show a little bit more of, like, the, the before and the getting warmed up and the consent piece. Mm-hmm. Um, Valesco is a great website. I think that's how you say it. Okay. Um, I can message you the website after to make sure we get the name right.
0: Yeah, for sure. And we'll, we'll um, plug it in the show notes as well.
1: But the other thing I'll say is, in addition to finding porn that shows, you know, more realistic expectations of sex um educating yourself on sex and sexual health is important um so a great website for canadians is sex and you the letter u.ca
0: um
1: it's written by the society of obstetrics and gynecology of canada so the best experts we have in this country write that website um so that's the education piece to go with with the porn excellent
0: yeah, I mean, if I can share a little bit too. I know of like X Confessions. Yeah, I know X Confessions is one of them. It's more like indie style porn. So if you're into that, um, you could also check that out. Um, Lust Cinema is another one. It's more like feature length films available. If you're into that, it just depends on what you're looking for. Um, if I can just think of like grassroots things, you could also... Uh, Subscribe to your favorite OnlyFans, creators, uh, including myself, (laughs) and um, like many vids, stuff like that. Like there's a lot of of great porn out there um, that is available to you. Like a lot of people (laughs) are probably trying to think or look for a website like Pornhub um, or the equivalent of Pornhub in an ethical kind of manner. But as Carly said, a lot of it is consensual. And if you need to hear more information on uh, porn, I do have some great episodes, including the one with Jesse Black um, to give you a bit of um, context there, as well as uh, the one from last week or a couple weeks ago with Malcolm Lovejoy, um, Carla Lane, like lot, uh, Samantha Mack. Like, I've done many interviews on um, porn stars and what their experiences have been, what goes on behind the scenes and it's not just like as carly mentioned it's not as exploitive as you might think or like what mia khalifa might say or claim um a lot of it is like two consensual adults having great time on film so fyi and i'll plug i'll plug some of those links in the show notes if you haven't checked it out already so so that's that um i guess we'll continue on the questions because there's just so many (laughs) Um, why, yeah, yeah. the next question is why don't parents have parental controls on all of their kids' devices?
1: Um, it's a, it's a great question. Um, and I know there's like kind of different camps or opinions on parental blocks, um, which is a whole conversation that we probably won't go into. Um, (laughs) but I mean, I imagine there's a a variety of reasons. One, oh, my gosh, there's just so many apps now. Uh Um, Yes. A lot of parental blocks don't really, you know, actually accomplish what they say they can accomplish. Um, You know, look at this Facebook whistleblower that we're seeing uh, in the news these days, right? Like, there's just not... There's not a sophisticated enough net in place to keep everything out right um, according to that maybe that family standards. Uh, and also you know not every parent knows everything their kid is on.-hmm There's new apps all the time yes. um, and who knows who parents don't necessarily know everywhere their kids are spending time online. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and things sneak through.
0: Yeah. That's the thing, as you mentioned, there's just there's so much innovation nowadays and there's too many things coming out and you just don't know what websites or what apps your kid might be on. So it's really, really, really hard to try and regulate all of that.
1: Yeah. So especially if you've you know, if a parent's been on you know, two or three apps and finds that they're not very helpful anyway, or it's a lot of work to keep them updated if you're always having to update keywords and so on and so forth. Great. Right. Um, they might just, you know, it's overwhelming.
0: Yeah, it's really, really difficult to gatekeep a lot yeah. of the time. So keep that in mind. So we don't have a full answer for that, but those are just some, like a peek into why. So thank you, listener. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what is the age for appropriate talks and what are the signs kids have toxic sexual information?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's never too early to start talking about sexuality and sexual health and, you know, little kids, like they want to know what sex is and it's usually the like, where did I come from conversation? Um, Mm -hmm. you know, but if you think about it, like healthy sexual relationships come out of healthy friendships and just healthy connections with other people. It's all the same ingredients in a recipe to make a healthy sexual connection with someone as it is to have a good friendship, Mm -hmm. to connect with other people in a positive way. Um, So you can be building a lot of the groundwork before you get to maybe the porn conversation. Mm beforehand and it's to your benefit to start talking about you know what is sex what are body parts what are the proper names for body parts right um what are healthy relationships you can do all of those building blocks from you know as soon as they can talk walk understand things and then when they do get to you know junior high or 12 13 years old even 10 11 um (laughs) they're one primed for that conversation because they know they can talk to you about it. It'll feel more normalized because you've been talking about these kinds of things their whole life. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you can kind of bring it up and address like kind of when they're starting to go on the internet, I think is a great time to address. It's part of that media literacy and you know, what kinds of things are on the internet and what to do. And you might see things that you don't understand or that feel weird and here's what you can do about it here's who you can talk to and then you can be that kind of constant like let's pull this back into focus and reframe what it is you're seeing right um signs of toxic information I I would say like toxic information is no information mm-hmm. um or it isn't toxic it's just out of context right for kids yeah um so signs that Maybe they're getting information that they can't pull into context or they're misunderstanding um, would be, you know, I, I think you just see it come up in their relationships. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, again, because of sexual health stigma and sexuality and I mean, privacy is not a negative thing, but because of the privacy around sex for many people, um, it can be hard to spot. Mm hmm. Definitely. Um, you know, it might be someone who's getting into a relationship with that person that will see it first. Yeah. Before
0: other people. Yeah, and you won't really see it unless you're in that relationship yeah. most of the time. Yeah. You know. So.
1: Yeah.
0: Good, good information here. Um, does sexual health? um testing condom use how do birth control long-term uh outcomes of youth pregnancy does that belong in the school system or is that is that more so at home and why or why not
1: uh, so that's a great question and I feel like we touched on it a bit earlier as well we did yeah it's very I mean that that is the question right mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. for in North I'm speaking in a North American context here because that's where I work and where I live um that's where we're really stuck um and if you look at the states it's very interesting um seeing that some states are very much swinging towards comprehensive sexual health education and Mm -hmm. saying like this absolutely belongs in schools um schools really working to engage parents Um, and then you have like this abstinence only like we're going to teach this just from a like you don't need to know about that it's not important for you yeah just don't do it
0: yeah um
1: which then would be coming from school and home I think having school and home together working together to fill in the different pieces of the puzzle Mm -hmm. or everybody doing the whole thing that's great yeah um you know I think the more places we can get positive, comprehensive sexual health information, I used to teach a brownies group and I would go in and do their puberty badge with them. Like, that's a community (laughs) group where they're kind of working some sexual health education in. Wow. Um, Yeah, so it was really cool. And like, you know, that's a bunch of kiddos that maybe... Their teacher at school wasn't doing that for them. But there was another access point where we could get them some great info. That's great. Um, So, yeah, I'm very much the school of it takes a village. And the more places that they're, one, seeing consistent information, Mm -hmm. they're more likely to absorb it. They're more likely to believe it um, and incorporate it into real behaviors.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I I think it definitely... Requires many adults and also their peers, too, to help, you know, facilitate this type of education in a really meaningful way. So, yeah. but yeah, like we, I think, as you mentioned, like we have a long way to go. So, yeah, yeah unfortunately.
1: Okay. But one other thing I'll say on this, um, when you look at the literature, studies that have asked youth themselves, where do you want to learn mm-hmm. about sexual health? Uh, parents were number one and school was number two. Wow. Really? Wow. Well, like that's parents invitation in like yeah. your kids want those conversations. They want to find a way to learn from you. So, and there's lots of resources out there to help kind of create that environment at home.
0: Totally. Wow. That's, that's really surprising to hear for me, but also really heartwarming mm-hmm.
1: and yeah. 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 nice, isn't it?
0: Totally. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. Okay, just a couple more questions. (laughs) Um, (laughs) What role does the government play in controls of online content?
1: Great question. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know if I am, like, the person to answer that question. (laughs) Um, Things I can speak to is the role government... I can't really speak to their control of online content Mm -hmm. um I would say currently you can see government bodies actively contributing to stigma Uh um there's lots of you know in the states I think it was like Iowa in 2019 had like some bill that like Porn was a public health crisis or something. Oh, gosh. Um, and it was brought forward in, in a government house. Um, wow! You know, and then it's like all of these lawmakers, like who's going to stand up and, in their like place of work and be like, actually, I love porn. And you know, <laughs> like the stakes are so high, it's hard to go against <laughs> that rhetoric in a government setting.
0: Totally. Um,
1: so I think it's it's a high stakes role that government has to play. Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of sexual health education, you know, curriculum objectives come from government. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's somewhere where they have the opportunity to play a role and, you know, better align their outcomes with Mm -hmm. the education that kids have access to.
0: Right. Um, and
1: even things like, you know, there's opt-in, which means, you send a letter home to the kids and your parents have to actively opt you into being allowed to attend that session versus opt out. We're sending a letter home. If we don't hear from you, we're assuming your kid has permission Mm -hmm. and they're going to be ending this, like the numbers you get of opt in versus opt out, um, you know, opt out being much more inclusive. You'll get much higher numbers of kids. Right. Interesting. Um, so in terms of online content, I, I don't think I know enough about the internet. Maybe you know more about
0: that stuff. Well, I'm not going to be speaking specifically about porn, but like with sex work and and online, uh, Mm -hmm. online sex work and online services and service providers, Uh, we have discussed it ad nauseum on this podcast, (laughs) 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 on this podcast about um, laws, especially in American laws in terms of like sauce festa. Um, those right. bills, we also have, we, were, we also spoke about, um, section 230 as well on the podcast with Reese Piper. Um, those are all American laws that really kind of bar sex work. Um, and in terms of more so, uh, full service providers, um, ads online like those can't exist anymore as we all know
1: right
0: yeah and then uh, in the canadian context i mean we have bill c36 which again was enacted in 2014 um that also prevents from like the advertising of sexual services online it was just like in a similar vein. And I know we were speaking about a similar law with the episode with Samantha Knox about, uh, Ontario trying to get a bill passed. that's very, very, very similar to, um, SOSTA FESTA as well. Sorry. Um, BOSTA SESTA as well. That was, uh, just a few months ago. They did that episode. So go back and listen to those. There's, there's huge episodes dedicated to those topics. Um, Both in season three and season two, so. (laughs)
1: Interesting. Yeah. I'm curious, like we're seeing in the states, like the government kind of beefing with big social media too Mm -hmm. right now, and I'm really, I think that'll be really interesting to see how that shakes out because that'll really shape how much agency the government does have because so much porn is you know owned and housed and streamed by private entities, entities, right?
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm curious to see how the Facebook trial is going to um, un- unravel, because that was really, really interesting. That was a really, really cool piece to read up on, and scary as well, a little bit scary that they allow for that. So if you're not really keeping up with the whole Facebook whistleblower situation, um, I forget her name, but she worked at Facebook, she worked on in, pro- in product, uh, I believe, and there was basically... Um, how do I summarize this really quickly? <laughs> um, they were allowing for the algorithm to kind of encourage, um, harmful content or, or content that would encourage, uh, harmful behavior in youth or kids, like
1: in spe- specifically yeah, around much, like a lot around, you know, negative mental health outcomes yes. and body image
0: issues. Yes. Lots of that. So I am really curious to see how, what, what the outcome of that's going to be. Um, i I'm, I forgot to say earlier too, not so much government, but also we were really speaking a lot recently in the season about, um, big banks. Controlling and have a, having a lot of control in terms of online content, as we saw with the OnlyFans debacle, uh, what we saw with Pornhub. Yes. Yeah, like Pornhub taking a bunch of their videos out because of MasterCard and Visa drawing out as payment processors. So that's those are huge, huge, huge um, wow. things that you should pay attention to. So go listen to the episode with Adri Rose. Um, we have the episode with uh, Paul of com, and also... Pretty much everything from this season. <laughs> There's too many episodes on yeah. these.
1: Yeah. so Oh, my gosh. I'm going to have to go back and listen to more episodes.
0: <laughs> yeah. you're, really, you're digging in. I love it. There's a lot of topics. There's a lot of stuff so that affects crazy. us, right? So Yeah. Gosh. Sorry for the big tangent there. I kind of took over. <laughs> yeah,
1: I think, like, uh, policy, I would, I would be interested to hear what, like, a policy expert has to say
0: mm-hmm. about all of this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd have to bring on more guests. I mean, we, we, we brought on some different professors from like um, York U and Simon Fraser. Um, where else, who else did I bring on? Florida State <laughs> on what's happening with um, different types of legislation and policy, policy making as well. So I'll, I'll send you some links privately. But yeah. Um, or for anyone yeah, else listening. Like yeah. But sorry to hijack the conversation there. There is one more question left as well. So um, this person's asking, does porn belong in our face versus back channels like IRC? So how I'm uh, considering this question is, is like, does porn belong in the mainstream or does it belong underground? So
1: these are the two things I'm thinking about. Is one, like... kink communities fringe communities or um part of like what makes them fun and exciting for people is that they're not mainstream
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like
1: that you know living on the outside you know the challenge of like finding other people who are into what you're into is kind of part of the rush for some kin communities and I totally respect that and I I think there's some people who actually really want to stay Mm -hmm. out of the mainstream for that reason. It's part of their culture Mm -hmm. in whatever kind of sexual community they're identifying with. right? Then again, like, porn kind of already is in everyone's face. Like, it's really easy to find porn. It comes across everybody's screen. Pretty much any... I feel like I see porn like on my screen. Maybe it's because I work in sexual health and I'm on a lot of sexuality-related <laughs> websites or whatever. Um, but porn, when I'm not looking for it, uh, comes up a lot. Yeah. So it kind of lives already in our face. Um, I think I want people to have the tools to be able to choose how much they want porn in their face or how much they don't, right? But um, also to feel equipped to deal with it when it does pop up, right? That's what I Fair. want. I know that's not an exact answer to their questions, but oh, I also okay. don't. I'm the person to decide where porn belongs.
0: Yeah, that's up to your own agency and their your own. Yeah responsibility on in terms of like what you consume how much you consume yeah right and i exactly. think yeah like and there has to be some kind of re- i think there has to be some kind of responsibility like you need to but you need to be able to understand like what you are consuming
1: yeah yeah i think that literacy piece is huge and yeah. that will hopefully take the heat or the demonizing off of porn
0: yeah Hopefully. Fingers crossed yeah. that it, like, moves in the correct direction. Yeah. We're trying. We're trying. <laughs> yeah. we're trying. Well, <laughs> well, we finally made it through all the questions, and before I let you go, where can we find you?
1: Uh yes. Well, one, thank you so much for having me, Steph. Um, you're so welcome. You're a, brilliant, a brilliant mind, and... You know, Likewise. doing such a great thing with your podcast so I'm just honored to be here thank you um <laughs> you're you're catching me in the middle of a, a rebrand of my own sexual health education services mm. um but I can give you an email if folks have more questions for me um they can reach me at carly.mcphee at the whole shebang.ca <laughs> I love um, it yeah, because that's comprehensive. Like the she, S H E, is sexual health education, and I do the whole darn thing comprehensive sexual health education. There we go. There we um, go. Yeah, so, you know, I'm really moving into more of a service provider, parents, teachers capacity building space. Mm -hmm. Um, but I do still do, um, individual sexual health education sessions, um, particularly with youth with diverse abilities. Um, I do a lot of like, if you've ever seen the show, um, what is it? Dating on the spectrum. Oh, yeah, no, I know. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 Like dating, coaching and building those skills. Um, but yeah, I'm around, I work in sexual health, um, I'll have my website up under the whole very shortly. Yay. Um, yeah. And you can find me there.
0: Perfect. Well, it was so much fun chatting with you. I'm sure we could have chatted for another hour easily. Oh
1: my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> holy, We didn't even talk about <laughs> porn addiction and that's a whole other
0: thing. And that's a whole other thing too. I mean, there's so many different tangents and yeah. avenues that we can go down. I mean, again, we might have to bring you on for another episode for part two, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. It was such a nice conversation, nice hour long conversation we had here. Carly, thank you so much for joining me today on the show. Really, really appreciate it. <laughs> nice. Thanks for having me. Anytime. My pleasure. And everyone else listening here, it's new episodes every single Sunday. It's Strip by Sia on Twitter, uh, Strip by Sia on Instagram, as well as my personal, which is Sia Steph. And new episodes coming at you every single Sunday. And we'll catch everyone in for another episode. Next week. Thank you so much, Carly.
1: Thank you. Take right.
0: care. Bye.
1: Bye. 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 Bye.